Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Hello to those of us who are here in Williston campus and those of us who are joining us through the stream in our city campus and the online campus. Would you do me a favor and turn to someone next to you and give them a big smile, the biggest that you can give, and say, Merry Christmas. And some of you got croissant in your teeth. Alrighty. Is Christmas Day coming soon tomorrow to be exact? And it's the time of the year where we get to fix our eyes on Jesus like no other day in the calendar. Now in the Bible, there are two stories primarily where we get the Christmas stories that you see so many, in so many different forms and shapes. They're in the book of Matthew, they're in the book of Luke. Today we're gonna turn to the book of Matthew to see what Matthew tells us about the Christmas story. Turning to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. The Bible says this, The origin of Jesus Christ was like this. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, we adore you. <laughs> We've come to worship you. We've come to set our eyes upon you. Thank you for the joy, the hope, the peace, the love that we now get to experience as your people through Christmas Day. Today, would you be here amongst us just as you were on that day, Christmas Day. Would you be God with us? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. And I love this passage in Matthew. It's actually the earliest Christmas story in the entire Bible. And I like how this story begins. Like every good character, there's always a wonderful origin story. This is the origin story of Jesus. And, the, and in Matthew, it says this, the origin of Jesus Christ. The original Greek word here for origin is the Greek word genesis, which translates to the English word genesis. Does that sound familiar? It's the first book of the Bible, the very first book where it, it records for us the creation of the entire world. That is genesis. And Matthew uses that same word here, the genesis of Jesus Christ. Matthew begins his Christmas story that way. But why did he choose the word genesis? And that's because through Christmas, God is creating a new world once more. You know, the last time he did it in the book of Genesis, he did it from outside the world, speaking it into existence. But now in this new Genesis, he comes into the world 
He breaks into it to recreate it. How did he do so? By being Emmanuel, which means God with us, coming into our world as a baby 2,000 years ago. And he chose the cutest, but also the most helpless life form in human species. I remember years ago when my son was born, my very first son was born, and he's my only son. I remember holding him as a newborn baby. And I was so scared because this thing was so floppy. Have you seen newborn babies? There was kind of like a Lion King moment where you go, Ma, and, and I carried him up and all of a sudden his head went, <laughs> oh no, and then his head went, Wah. and I realized babies are so weak, so fragile, so helpless. And since then, I've never carried another newborn baby. Can you imagine what it is like for the creator God of the universe, the one who flung the stars out in their places, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who keeps the earth rotating around the sun day and night, year by year, this awesome, all-powerful, transcendent being going from so infinitely high to so infinitely low that he would choose to enter our world to become the most helpless, the most fragile, the most weak thing ever. And if you ever feel, and today if you come into church, and if you ever feel like God is so distant, like God doesn't care, like God doesn't want to pay attention to you, there is nothing else more far from the truth. God would come so infinitely far up from where He is to break into our world so that He can be God with us. That is what it means for Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. On the very first Christmas day, Jesus came into our world to change it. And what does it mean for us? What does all this mean for us? Now, if we're seeking change in our world and in our lives, we need a new genesis. We need a new origin. We need a new beginning. What we really need is not a renovation of our life, a rehab, a renewal, a reset of our current life. What we need is a new beginning. What we need is a new start altogether, a new genesis altogether. God wants to come into our world today to change it. And He does it through Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. And the fact that Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, is actually very significant. In this passage, there are three times that Jesus is called something. And the Greek word is the word kaleo. There are three times the Greek word kaleo is used on Jesus. And I'll very quickly go through them to tell you why is this significant. Number one, the first time it was used was when Joseph was told by the angel, to name the baby Jesus. You are to kaleo him Jesus. You are to call him Jesus in verse 21. And the second time, or the last time we see this happening is when Joseph eventually does call Jesus, Jesus. He names him Jesus in verse 25. Now, I wanna pause here a little bit. Now, it's important to understand that Jesus is a very common Hebrew name. It is the Hebrew name Yeshua, which translates to the English Joshua. It's a very common name. How many of us, by a show of hands, know someone who's called Joshua? Raise your hands. 
That's a lot of you. Some of you are like, I am Joshua, that's me, that's me. Right here, right here. We all, well, many of us know Joshua, and it's the same in Israel. If you threw a stone in Israel, chances are your stone is gonna hit a Joshua or a Yeshua or a Jesus. That's how common it is, okay? And then the, 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 the third time we see the word kaleo used is this. When the Bible tells us they will call him Emmanuel, they will kaleo him Emmanuel, which means God with us, verse 23. Now, what makes Jesus so different is not what Joseph calls him. Joseph calls him Yeshua, which is a common name. What makes Jesus so different is what people call him, Emmanuel, God with us. But then, okay, coming, coming back. Let me tell you something. I did some research. And out of interest, I wanted to find out, not because I'm having a baby, but I'm trying to find out what is the most famous and the most common names that people give to their babies in 2023. And I found out that the most common female name is Olivia. That's because Olivia sounds like olive tree. It means olive tree, which is resilient. People name their babies what they hope their babies to be like when they grow up. So they name her Olivia because it's a, it's a nice name, but also because it means resilience. The most common boy name is called Noah. That's a nice name too, but at the same time, it's a man of faith. Noah was a man of faith. Some of us might have called our babies or our daughters Grace because we hope that she'll be gracious and graceful when she grows up. I once did a mission trip in Cambodia and there was this little boy in an orphanage and he gave himself the name Kobe because he wanted to be like Kobe Bryant, like a basketball player. And I lived in Hong Kong at one point of time. I remember one time I was being served by a waitress and she had a name tag here. Her first name was Windy, Windy. And her last name on the name tag was Fan, Windy Fan. <laughs> I don't really know what the parents were thinking at the point of time where they were naming her. But in general, people would name their babies what they hope their babies to be. But when they grow up, other people give them names depending on what that person means to them. Isn't that true? We give each other nicknames. Hugh Jackman, better known as the Wolverine in the X-Men series. He's strong, he's muscular, he's also very good looking. He was the guy who acted in The Greatest Showman. Now we see this guy as some big muscular Australian celebrity. But did you know that when he grew up, his friends used to call him Sticks? because his legs were skinny like sticks and chopsticks. That's why they call him Sticks. Chris Pratt, another amazing actor, Christian actor from the America. Um, he, he is Star-Lord in, in the Avengers, or he's that good-looking guy in Jurassic World. That as good-looking as he was when he was a kid, his friends used to call him Monkey Face. And that's because he grew up with a small head and big ears and big teeth. So they call him Monkey Face. People call one another or call other people what they mean to them. In this story, Joseph named Jesus, Jesus. But those who know Jesus call him God with us. So friends, who is Jesus to us today? Do you really know who Jesus is? Is he simply Jesus, a name to us? Or is he truly Christ the Lord, like what we sang this morning? 
Is he simply a great man who shaped and changed history at some point? He has the BC and the AD named after him, uh, you know, in 0 AD, 0 BC, whatever you call it. Is he just a great man or is he truly the son of God? Is he simply a Christmas legend that now all of us now get to talk about him during Christmas or is he truly God with us? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, it says this about Jesus. We also know that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding, that is Jesus. So we can know the God who is true and we belong to the true God by belonging to His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Someone say Amen. Friends, my hope is that this Christmas, you and I will know Jesus as the true God and we'll also call Him Emmanuel, God with us. That's my hope. I'm coming back to the story now. I love this story. Now the subject of this story may be Jesus. He may be what the story is about, but the main character in this story is actually Joseph. Did you realize that? It's all about Joseph. And the background of this story is Jesus is coming. But the focus of the story is actually what Joseph does about it. How is he going to respond to Jesus coming? In a sense, Joseph is all of us, is you and me. Christmas is a story about Jesus coming into our world, but what are we going to do about it? How would you, how would I respond? Will you be excited? Will you be happy? Will you make room for Him? Every Christmas, my family has a tradition. And one of the things that we do every Christmas is to set up our Christmas tree in our living room. And we always do it on the very first week of November. And if you're thinking, that's a long time to have a Christmas Christmas tree, Pastor Dan. Actually, if my living room was any bigger and I had more space, I would have it from July. But I always, we always have a Christmas tree in the living room and then we'll start playing Christmas carols in the living room when we're dining together in the dining hall, when we're watching TV, when we're talking to one another, there will be Christmas carols playing from November. And I don't mean the Christmas carols that are like, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus kind, okay? I'm talking about the joy to the world kind. That's my family's tradition of what Christmas looks like for us. It's our way of expressing our excitement, our joy, our way of making room for Jesus in our home. But the Bible tells us that Joseph did something completely opposite. He wasn't excited. He wasn't happy because he didn't have space for Jesus in his life. You see, Joseph had a plan for him and Mary. They were engaged. They were about to get married. But he didn't have space and room in that plan for Jesus. Jesus was an interruption. So Joseph was going to give it all up, the Bible says. He was going to give up his marriage. He was going to give up his wife. He was going to give up baby Jesus. And if you're wondering, why would Joseph respond in such a way? Why would he respond so differently from you and I today? You have to understand what is going on in his mind. And I'll go through some Bible passages to tell us what is really going on. The Bible tells us, first of all, that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph in verse 18, which means they were engaged. 
During that time to be engaged meant that in the eyes of the law, the man and the woman were already legally married. As far as the law goes, your husband and wife. But what happens is from the time of engagement to the wedding day itself, there's a period of time where men and women will be apart from one another. That's what's happening for Mary and Joseph in this time. The men will usually go home and prepare the home. He will buy a good house. He will build a good home. He will touch it up, make space for his wife. He might take a mortgage. I don't know. Interest rates are very high now, so not a good thing to do. He will sort out his finances and his home. And the woman will prepare herself for marriage. Until the day where the wedding comes, they will meet together. So this was the case for Joseph and Mary. When they were apart, however, Mary's stomach suddenly got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the Bible tells us in, later on, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't know that. Joseph didn't know that God had put the baby in Mary. Can you imagine Joseph's horror that your fiance's stomach is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you didn't do no nothing to her? He thought Mary was unfaithful to him. So the Bible says in verse 19, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But then the Bible tells us, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Afterwards, not only was Joseph's heart changed, his life was radically turned around and changed when he discovered who Jesus really is. Emmanuel, God with us. And I want to spend the rest of today's message exploring three ways that Jesus changes our world when we discover who Jesus is, God with us. So very quickly, three ways that God, Jesus changes our world. The first way, Jesus gives us confidence for our future. You see, Joseph was afraid but then he received confidence. In verse 20, it says this, the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now the Bible actually calls Joseph a righteous man. Do you realize how significant this is for a man to be called a righteous man in the Bible, the Holy Bible of God? There are only 10 people in the Bible who are called righteous in the Bible. Apart from God, apart from Jesus, there are only 10 people in the Bible. And Joseph is one of the 10. Can you imagine that he, how righteous he really is? He is a good man. He's a righteous man. But as righteous as Joseph was, he was still fearful for his future. The Bible says he was afraid. As good a man as he was, all his good deeds gave him no remedy for his worries. Isn't that so much like you and I today? Most of us are good people. We don't do terrible things. We don't hurt other people too much. But despite all our goodness, we aren't exempted from worrying about our future. Isn't that true? Despite all our righteousness, all the good things and all the right things that we do, the right way that we try to live, our fears don't find relief for a single day. Why is that so? You know, one of the most universally accepted saints in human history, one of the most saintly people, the most good people in the history of humankind is Mother Teresa. She lived in India and she served the poorest of the poor all of her life. 
And she gave up her good life in Europe to spend it in India serving the poor, the people in the slums. And there are moments, despite all her goodness and all her righteousness, where she feels God so far away. This is what she wrote in one of her letters that was found after she died. She said this, I fear the future. I wonder if I shall ever have the courage to speak, in other words, to talk to about this, to tell people about this. A terrible sense of loss, of God not wanting me, of God not being God, of God not really existing. In other words, she feels God being so far away and that causes her fear for the future. Mother Teresa's words teach us one thing. Confidence for our future cannot be based on ourselves. It will always fail. You see, Joseph was a righteous man, but even he feared the future. We can only find confidence in our future, for our future, in someone far greater than ourselves. And that is Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. We see that as a turning point in Joseph's story. It was when he discovered who Jesus really is. Not an illegitimate child, but God who is with him, that Joseph gained confidence for the future. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 36, in the message version, it says this, God is there, ready to help. And so the author of Hebrews says this, I am fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. I spend time with God today. God is here with me. The creator of the universe is standing behind me. He's with me. Who or what is gonna get me today? That's what it means for God to be with us. It is like the Christian children's song that many of us sang when we grew up. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Wonderful. It may be a children's song and it sounds so simple, but it's so significant. Can you imagine if every moment, every day of your life, that word is true. With Christ in the boat with me, I can smile in the storm. I don't care what kind of storm comes my way today. Christ is with me and I'm going to smile through that storm. That's what it means for God to be with us. With Jesus, we have confidence for our future. Someone say amen. The second way that Jesus changes our world, he gives us confidence for our future. He gives us purpose for our present. You see, Joseph was confused. In that moment, he was wondering, what do I do with Mary? What do I do with my life? What do I do with baby Joseph? But then he receives purpose for his life. Now, even if Joseph begins to accept this incredulous idea that Mary's baby in her stomach is from God, what is he supposed to do about it? What is he going to respond? How is he going to respond? If he was confused before, I think he's even more confused now. But Joseph received an instruction from the angel of the Lord, and the angel said this, name him Jesus. In verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. In those days, for a man to name a child is to legally and publicly acknowledge that that child is his. And it doesn't matter if that child is adopted, 
It doesn't matter if that child was born to you. It doesn't matter even if the child was fostered by your family. When you give that child a name, you are effectively taking responsibility for him. So what God is saying through the angel to Joseph that day is effectively, effectively this. Joseph, Mary will, Mary's duty is to bear him, give birth to him. Joseph, your duty is to father him. You're going to be his dad. You name him. You accept him. And you raise him as your own. Can you see what's going on here? God is giving Joseph a brand new purpose in life. Joseph is going to be the adopted father of God's son. That's crazy. He gets to raise God's son and protect Jesus because there's going to be so many people and so many forces that's going to harm Jesus. He's going to teach this baby Jesus to take his first steps, hold his hand and walk his first steps with him because these legs are going to walk all throughout Israel telling people about the kingdom of God. He's going to teach him how to say the first few Hebrew words. I'm going to teach you to say Baba, Abba. I'm going to teach you to say Elohim. I'm going to teach you to say God, Yehovah. I'm going to teach you all these things because one day those lips are going to be preaching words that will bring eternal life. I'm going to teach him how to tie his sandals because one day he's going to need those sandals to bring him up to Calvary where he's going to carry that cross and where he's going to be crucified for all humanity. I'm going to teach him the ways of his Father in heaven and remind him, you are not just a human being, Jesus. You are the Son of God. Your Father, your real Father is in heaven and he's waiting for you. You're going to fulfill your purpose here and you're going to be with your Father in heaven. Can you imagine what a privilege that is? Can you imagine what a tremendous purpose that is? God is giving Joseph a brand new purpose in life. One of the most influential Christians in history is a man named St. Augustine. Augustine was born in 354 AD, 300 years after Jesus was born, thereabouts, in North Africa. And as a young man, he was extremely charming. He was very articulate. He was highly intelligent, like many of us here. All right? Don't, don't point at yourself. All right? Self-praise is no praise. All right? But he's charming, he's, he's articulate, he's intelligent like many of us. And like many of us, he struggled with the meaning of life. He struggled with life purpose. Why am I here? Why am I imbued with all these knowledge? And in his search and in his struggle for meaning and purpose in life, he turned to sex, he turned to drinks, he turned to pleasures, he turned to addictions. And it's funny how people haven't really changed that much in 1700 years. That even in the search for meaning and life today, for us, so many people still turn to these things to try to find meaning and purpose. But he couldn't find them, even if, even when he lived that kind of life. Augustine, he records that he used to pray to God. He was a Christian, but he didn't live a Christian life that time. He used to record that he prayed like that to God. He said this, it's very interesting. He said, Lord, Lord, make me chaste. In other words, Lord, make me pure. Make me holy. Make me chaste. But not yet. <laughs> Let me enjoy myself first, God. Make me pure and holy like you. But no, please, God, give me some time. I just want to enjoy myself first and then I'll come back to you. However, even his worldly pursuits only left him empty and hungry. 
And at about age 32, he was walking in a garden in Milan and doing the same thing as he always does, which is try to figure out what his purpose in life is, what his meaning in life is, when suddenly he had a divine encounter with a God in heaven. He felt God's presence right in the garden. And he heard God's voice saying to him, take and read, take and read, which is the Bible. Go and grab your Bible and read it. He met Emmanuel. He met that God with him. And so what he did was he ran very quickly from the garden to his bedroom. He dusted off that old Bible that was on his shelf. He opened it up and he began to read. And as he read, his heart started to burn inside of him as he began to discover God's purpose for his life. And his life was turned around at age 32 that day. St. Augustine eventually spent the rest of his life serving God and writing about God. And one of, he's one of the most influential people now who has shaped the church history and the world today. His writing influenced even great Christians like Martin Luther, like John Calvin, John Wesley, and many other people and pastors today are still influenced by St. Augustine. And recording his experience in Milan that day, he wrote about this, about something he prayed to the Lord and he said to the Lord when he found, who, when he found out his purpose, when God was with him. He said this, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And what St. Augustine is saying is effectively this, the, the, the compass of our purpose and our heart is somehow directed towards Jesus in such a way that we can only find our true purpose and our true meaning in life, our true selves, when we find Jesus. With Jesus, when Jesus is with us, with Jesus, we find purpose for our present. Someone say amen to that. So number one, Jesus gives us confidence for our future. Number two, Jesus gives us purpose for our present. The third thing is this, Jesus gives us forgiveness for our past. Joseph receives a promise of salvation. The angel said this to him, because Jesus will save his people from their sins. The Emmanuel will save his people from their sins. But what does that mean? Let me unpack that very quickly for us. In the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible reminds us, for all, everyone have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't match up to God's standards. We're not good enough for God. We are so far away from who God created us to be and who God wants us to be. Sin, the Bible calls it. Sin is not something we become. It's something we were born with. Sin is inside of our human nature. I love it how our senior pastor, Pastor Benny, describes this. He teaches us this. Sin is in our nature just like the way a worm ends up in an apple. Sometimes we think, ah, oh, the apple burrows its way out. Sorry, the, the apple. The worm burrows its way out of the apple. And that's how, uh, or burrows its way into the apple. That's how it gets into the apple. But scientists now know that actually the worm burrows its way out of the apple. So the big question is this, how does the worm get inside the apple in the first place? How did it even get in there? And what happens is an insect lays an egg while the apple is still a blossom. Before it becomes a fruit, 
an insect lays an egg into the blossom, the flower. And when it becomes an apple, the, the worm hatches in the heart of the apple, because it was there already, and it eats its way out of the apple. In the same way, sin begins in a person's heart and it works its way out. And this happens to all of us. The moments of anger that we feel towards our family and our loved ones, that's sin working its way out. The moments where we lie because we wanted to get it our way or we wanted to skirt away from some sort of punishment, that's sin working its way out. The bias that we feel towards people that are different from us, that is sin working its way out. The insatiable need for something more to fulfill us every day, every time, that is sin working its way out. Romans 6, 23 tells us this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone say amen. The Bible tells us that sin begins in our heart and it will end up killing us. Death, it says. But then you may ask me, Pastor Dan, what has all this got to do with Christmas Day? What has this got to do with Christmas? And I tell you everything. Because on that very first Christmas Day, Jesus came into our world. He came and became Emmanuel, God with us. He came so that the penalty of sin, even though it may lead to death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And how was that gift given? On that very first Christmas day, when Jesus came and became Emmanuel, God with us. You see, God loves us so much and He hates sin so much that He will allow Himself to be entangled in sin for us. He would sooner destroy it than to allow it to destroy us. So He became God with us. Jesus came into our world to pay the penalty for our sins. You see, friends, it's not like God is standing at the top of a staircase and, you're at a, and we are at the bottom of the staircase and God is looking down at us from the top of the staircase and saying, Come on, you can do this. I know you can. You got what it takes in you. You got to get to me. Come on, live the kind of life. You can do it. Rather, through Jesus, God came down the staircase. That's what he did. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That same Jesus Christ, he lived a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death so that we can become sinless before God and receive his eternal life. John 3.16 promises us this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, on that Christmas day, he gave, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's why the angel said to Joseph that day, he will save his people from their sins. With Jesus, we have forgiveness for our past. We have confidence for our future. We have purpose for our present, and we receive forgiveness for our past. I want to close off the passage with the last two verses. It reads like this in verse 24 to 25. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage. They didn't have any sort of intercourse until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I love how this story starts. I love how this story ends. The story begins with Joseph's apprehension. What am I gonna do, God? I don't know what to do about this. Jesus is coming, what do you mean? But it ends eventually with Joseph's acceptance. I like how the New International Version Bible titles this story. It says, Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. I like that. Despite his apprehension, Joseph accepted Jesus into his life and Jesus changed his world. Jesus can change your world too if you accept him into your life as your Lord and as your Savior. Romans 10 verse 9 promises us this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This Christmas, friends, my hope is that you and I will put our faith in Jesus and let him be your Emmanuel, God with us, God with you today. So that with Jesus, you can have confidence for your future. With Jesus, you can have purpose for your present. With Jesus, you can have forgiveness for your past. Will you receive the Emmanuel this Christmas? Will you receive Jesus into your life today, just like Joseph did 2,000 years ago? Let's bow our heads for a moment. I want to take a private moment for those of us who have never received Jesus into your life. You're not a Christian. You've never prayed, as far as you remember, to receive Jesus into your life. And today you're saying, Pastor Dan, I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want Him to be my Emmanuel. I want Him to be God with me, starting from today. And if that's you, I want to invite you just to quickly raise your hands where you are so I know that I'm praying for you. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. And if that's you today, raise your hand high up where you are so that I can see it. Put your hand high up. I see the hand in the front. I see the hand at the back on my left. Keep your hands high up so I can know who I'm praying for. If you're a city campus, you're online, you do the same thing too, right? Good, keep your hands up. And I wanna pray also for another group of people. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hands too. Today you may be in church and you're here celebrating Christmas in this service but you couldn't feel further away from God. You feel so far away from God. You've been away from church. And today you wanna get right with God again and you want Jesus to come back into your life again. You want Him to be your God, God with you, Emmanuel. If that's you as well, can you raise your hands? I'm gonna pray that same prayer for you. I see the hand at the front. Keep your hands high up. If you, if you raise your hands up just now, keep it high up. Keep your hands up. I see the hand right there on the left, the lady. I see those hands right there, the family. I see the hand at the back again. All right, wonderful. You know who you are, put your hands down. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you've had your hand up, or if you, even if you've not raised this hand, but you wanna say yes to Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer, word by word, sentence by sentence, and you just follow after me. Church, would you join us in this prayer as well? Join our friends as we pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Be God with me today. I accept you 
as my Lord and Savior. I know I'm a sinner, but I know that you died for me. And now I can be free to live the life and the purpose that you have created me for. Teach me in the days ahead to know you more and what you mean to me even more. In Jesus' name we pray. And all those people say, Amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand? So just stand where we are right now. Allow me to pray and then we'll get into a closing song and we'll worship the Lord one more time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, you are so incredibly beautiful. You're so incredibly wonderful. And we cannot even believe and to begin to fathom how high you were in the heavens and yet you chose to come down for us. You became the Emmanuel God with us 2,000 years ago. And this very day, we remember who you are, what you've done, what you mean for us, to us. And today we want to worship you. As the, as the carols go, what can I bring that is fit for a king? Nothing. But we give you our lives and our praise and everything that we have, we raise up to you. We give you all the praise, all the joy and all the hope and all the peace and all the love that we can have in you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, would you set it free into the people today so that we will live today. We will leave today with your presence, with your power, with your glory. So church, be blessed. May the Spirit of the Lord be with you. May the joy of Christmas be with you as you enter into this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say, Amen.